I'm Cruz Lawn. I own basically two businesses, Chicago Brick Paving and Chicago Outdoor Designs. I do design works for uh, design work for other contractors and I'm out of Chicago and I have been doing hardscapes for 20 plus years. So I'm a hardscaper. Welcome to the I Am A Hardscaper series on the How To Hardscape podcast where we sit down and interview a hardscape business owner and do a deep dive on how they became a hardscaper and how they operate their business. And if you need bookkeeping, accounting, CFO services, check out CycleCPA at CycleCPA.com and mention the How To Hardscape podcast for $200 off. We'll talk about CycleCPA more later in this episode, but without further ado, let's get into this. All right, Cruz, let's get to know a little bit more about you, yourself, how you got started in this industry, and we'll lead up slowly to where you started your own business. Where do you want to get started here to give our audience a little bit of context about yourself? Let's start from the beginning. You know, as you guys know, uh, English is my second language. So I came to the States when I was 14 years old. So I worked for another company while, while I was in high school. And when I graduated basically from high school, I started my own business. I graduated in 2002. I worked for another company here and there. And I started my business, my own business back in 2005. So I have been doing this for, for my own business for 17 years. But, you know, I have been in the hardscape industry for 20 plus years. So Nice. That's amazing. Wow. 20 plus years. So you must have seen a lot of changes since you started in the industry. Yes. Uh, any any major talking points in terms of those changes that you've seen as you've been in the industry for 20 plus years here? I think the main the main thing here for me was like the networking. Um, when I first started my business, I didn't have this landscape, landscape community or these hardscape communities. So basically, I was alone. You know, now that all these Facebook groups and all this is like, it is amazing how you get connected with other landscapers or other hardscapers and you share ideas and all that. I think that's, that's, that's a huge difference from uh, when we start or when I start. It's pretty incredible coming here. Uh, you know, you said when you were 14, I believe there. Uh, what, what were some challenges? I guess if we can kind of dig into that sort of uh, starting point in your story, what were some challenges once you, you know, come over to the States uh, that you faced as you were growing up in the States? I think uh, the biggest thing was the, the learning the language, you know, because I didn't know anything about it, you know, and um, the food too, you know, the food was hard because in Mexico, everything is more fresh and all that. So I'm Mexican. So and you guys can see that, <laughs> but uh yeah, that was a hard part, me learning the language. The food was just a completely different thing. But, um, you know, I went to high school, so that kind of helped getting the language in there. I still have a big accent, but it doesn't bother me anymore because I can still get around. I can still talk to clients. I can still, I can still buy my tacos, you know. As you guys know, most of the guys that follow me, they know that I love tacos. So <laughs> Definitely, I've heard that. Uh, and so progressing into your story, where do you get to the point where you decide to get into hardscaping? Where did that opportunity come up and why did you decide to go into hardscaping? Well, like I said, I work for another company, right? So I, when I worked for the other company, I was doing hardscape since day one. So, and 
basically the home the owner told me hey man you want to start your own thing i can help you out and i was like yeah why not so basically he kind of pushed me to start my own thing because you know back in the day it was easy to find guys and all that so he was like you know you're doing good you're learning a lot and i think it's gonna be a good opportunity for you to start your own thing and that's how i started so basically i had i had a, like a small uh tacoma toyota sold it went and bought an f-250 but a dome trailer, and that's how I started doing my first jobs, you know. And I went straight to hardscapes. I never did landscaping, just straight to hardscapes since day one. So that's how I started my own thing, you know. Nice. What was that draw towards hardscapes? Like, why why do you love being a, a hardscaper and building these hardscapes as opposed to, you know, branching out and, and getting into other things? Well, I never think or in my life that I was going to be a hardscaper, to be honest. You know, I kind of got into that because I was already doing that when I was working for another company. And I didn't like my job in the beginning, to be honest, you know. Um, I just basically fell in love with hardscapes the last three, four years. I mean, I always enjoy and like what I was doing, but nothing like, you know, nothing like what we're doing right now. Right now, we're doing some amazing jobs, and it's just like... Um, like I said, I have been doing these my from I started my business in 2005, so I have been doing it for 17 years. So for the first, I will say, 13, 14 years, you know, it was just like, oh man, I gotta go to work, I gotta pay my bills and all that. But I was not excited, I was not motivated, you know. It got to the point that I was doing the same thing over and over and over again, right? So. And it's nothing wrong with going and do some simple jobs, you know, but the type of work we're doing right now, just like I wake up sometimes at three o'clock in the morning. I'm just waiting for for the morning to go to work, you know, because I'm excited and I'm always thinking about how I'm going to do these jobs and all that. But yeah, that's I, I love what I do right now. It's just incredible because when we are done with these projects you're like holy crap i really did that job myself like of course me and my team you know but that's that's the best part when we are completely done with the project yeah i can totally empathize with that uh i actually has talked about this on the podcast but i started my business as a lift and relay business and it got to like year two year three of doing that and i was just totally burnt out hated it and then made that switch to that design build space where i could actually run with my creativity which it sounds like you have a, a very similar story in that sense where you just were done with what you were previously doing what flipped that switch for you what was it that you know made you get into more uh, of that space where you're building these amazing outdoor spaces. How first off, what what flipped that switch for you, and uh, and how did you start to get clients for that? Well, on the beginning, I advertised myself with like these coupon magazines, and it was working pretty good. I mean, but it was expensive. I was spending like twenty thousand dollars a year in advertising when I first started my business, and it was it sounds like a lot of money, but I was getting work, so it wasn't a big deal, you know. And after that, it wasn't working. Like I did that for like four years, and then it wasn't working that much anymore because everybody was on uh, Google and YouTube and things like that. So I went and started doing like. Um, Google apps and I start getting some work from that but I haven't done any advertising the last three four years I was basically just repeating clients referrals and now I do work for a designer so we we work together we do a lot of work together and and I really don't have to advertise anymore but yeah that's that's pretty much how I um, did it what um what advice would you give somebody that is looking to make that switch 
whether it's like uh, paver lift and relay to getting more into that design build space, or whether it's, you know, just doing those basic patios to getting into more feature work and, and what you're doing actually. I think you had to educate yourself, you know, like when I started my business, I didn't know any better. I, I, I didn't think I was, a char I, I don't think I was charging enough for my jobs. I was just barely surviving, to be honest, financially, because uh, I didn't know any better. You know, you, we are uh, business owners. We jump into the business. We don't know how to do things. You know, we, we, we are like, we figure it out as we go, right? So um, good thing about right now, like these days that you can have mentors, you can go and pay and go to these classes and trainings and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think the, the main thing here is like, you have to love what you do. You know, like if there's these guys that they're doing hardscapes, like sample patios or like smaller jobs, and they want to jump into like these amazing projects and all that. Um, don't do it for the money, to be honest. Don't do it for the money. Just do it because you really want to do it. And things just going to like, you know, be, they're, they're just going to fall in place. Mm-hmm. And then speaking about education, uh, you're paying that forward and what you've done in this off season here and what I've seen you do with that outdoor living space uh, build with people coming into your, your space and actually getting that hands-on experience uh, for a full week is quite incredible. Do you want to talk about what you did there? What, uh, what made you want to plan an event like that? Because planning in-person events is very uh, time-consuming, but it's evident that you know you put in that work, you put in that work to help these people that came to your outdoor living space boot camp to uh, really help them catapult to that level where they want to be. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. What what uh, made you want to do that, and and how did it go? Let's start from the beginning. So I started posting on social media about three years ago. So, you know, um, my work here and there, and I started getting all these messages about, hey, man, you should do a training uh, event. You know, you do amazing work. And I do also have a private group where people come over and learn. It's a, a Facebook private group that they I show basically how we do these jobs start from start from start to finish and all that. So and I was like, you know what? I, it may be a good idea for me to do a hands-on training event and all that. So that's how we started. We were gonna do one last year, but COVID hit and we had to cancel it because we can only have like so many people in this building. We have a building already uh, lease or rent for this training event last winter. And we had to cancel the whole thing, give money back and things like that. So um, this uh, last winter, we um, we basically were like, you know what, let's try again. Let's see if it works. I was not expecting so many people to be honest. I was like, you know, we may sell like, you know, 20 tickets or 20 spots and we open up three weeks and they were sold out. And then we open up another two weeks. So we ended up doing it for seven weeks straight. So we had like almost a hundred contractors from all over the States. We even had a guy from Alaska. It was this kid, 19 years old, and he's already investing into, into his sales. So uh, basically we got almost people from almost every single state from, uh, from the United States here. Uh, we didn't have anyone from Canada, but uh, it basically was just all the United States, but it's still amazing, you know, like having all these contractors from all over the States, um, coming over to this band and learning and all that because we are the type of work we do it's a little bit different from the rest we do a lot of concrete and paver combination our work is pre-modern and it's kind of like california we you know this loop has been around for a little while in california it's 
something new here in Chicago. No one is doing it. But that's, I think that was the main key that people wanted to come over and learn all these skills. You know, it's not just pavers, you know, concrete. We did water features, pergola lighting. So we had all these professionals that came to the training event and kind of uh, trained these people and all that. But it would, it was amazing. One of the ma amazing things too on this training that we have these big companies. We have three designers from Nebraska. This company revenue about $6 million a year. Uh, and they sent three of their designers to come over and kind of learn how we do things and all that. So that was amazing, you know, to see that it was not just guys that are doing, um, you know, maintenance or, or landscaping and they want to move into hardscape. It was just all kind of backgrounds. We got black people, uh, white people, I mean, brown people, pink people, purple people, you know, it's like amazing, you know, all these different backgrounds and colors and, and all that, you know. It's it's incredible. And uh, I'm sure you would have had some Canadians, but we were a little bit locked up up here for a yeah. little while. So that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit difficult to get down to the States. Um, yeah, that it's absolutely incredible what I've seen you do with that. And I applaud you for, for doing something like that. Uh, keeping on with that, what was the biggest challenge of planning an in-person event for something like that you did there? It was a lot of work because... Uh, as you guys know, I do all hardscapes and I was busy in doing my hardscapes, you know, and we work all the way to Christmas and the first train in the band was uh, uh, January 10th. So after I finished my hardscape season, we got ready. So I don't know if you saw some of the pictures, but we usually build like a fake house under on this warehouse. And we copied this idea from Aquascape because they do have these sandbox and basically it was the same concept, but the house that we built on the warehouse was basically modern, you know, like, cause that's why basically what we do, but yeah. So we had two weeks to get everything ready before the first class. And it was a lot of work, you know, we had to get everything ready and all that, but um, we had a lot of sponsors like Unilag, uh, Pay Tools, uh, uh, Aquascape, Permatch, and all these uh, uh, sponsors that kind of help getting things ready and all that so but yeah it was a lot of work to get things ready for this are you event. gonna do it again next year we are usually um we we are talking to our sponsors again and they want to do it again uh we're gonna probably find a bigger spot you know bigger warehouse so we have more space and all that we also want to keep it small because the way we did it we want to have around 12 14 people per week it was basically the whole week for the training because we want to have the hands on, you know, we don't want to have so many people. So even that we're looking to get a bigger building or a bigger spot or space, we still want to keep like, you know, 12, 14 people for the training so people can get their, their, their hands on, you know. And another thing too, this training was not just hands on how to do outdoor living spaces. It was uh, how to sell, how to design, so Mondays was, um, I partnered out with Dwayne and Josh, they're designers and, and, and they do have their own businesses too. So they were doing the, the design and the sales on Mondays uh, class. And then I basically took over on Tuesdays and Friday for the bill. And Saturday was the rebuild so that we get to take pictures and all that. I also partnered out with uh, Nels Peterson, he's a lighting expert. He works for Sterling Lighting. So he came every Thursday, every week, and um, kind of talked to about lights, how to install them, how to sell them, and all that. So we also partnered out with um, uh, Wes. He's out of Pennsylvania. He does uh, sync dub. He has a uh, sad work 
a company so he basically talk about numbers and educate the guys about numbers and all that and i think that's the main key too because most of us as business owners we we think we're making money on, on these jobs or on the business and on the end of the year it's like holy crap i don't have any money on the bank account you know so i think the most important thing is not just being the best housekeeper but knowing your numbers because if you're not making money what's the point you know Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, uh, Cruz, where can our audience go to learn more about this? If this is what they're interested in and going next year, where, when will more information come out about registering and, and all that? So it's basically uh, craftsloan.com. All my information is there or they can find me on social media. I do also have a private group that it's a Facebook private group that I show how we do our jobs and share my numbers that way they people get to know how to charge and things like that but yeah it's uh they can find me on social media pretty much in order to make a profit this year it is crucial to have an accurate accounting system in your business increased materials fuel and other costs will make it important to monitor your financial reports regularly without having this data each month you won't know necessary changes in pricing or processes that may need to be made. At Cycle CPA, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape and hardscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA's team of accountants can do anything from bookkeeping to CFO services, and they are specialized within the hardscape and landscape industry. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $200 off, mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Now back to our episode. Perfect. Let's get into more of the business aspect of things. You mentioned that when you first started, you were advertising in magazines. Nowadays, you're just pretty much rolling with word of mouth here. When a lead contacts you, where do you take that from there? You also mentioned that you work uh, very closely with a designer too. So that's an also a, another uh, route of getting leads. Do you almost primarily work with that designer now or is it, do you have like a mix of leads coming into your business and, and tailoring your business to them and working with that designer? I would probably say right now, 60% of my work, it's uh, through the designer and the rest is basically my own clients, but we basically pick and choose our jobs right now, which is awesome. You know, um, we only did 12 jobs last year, to be honest. So we went from doing 80 to 90 jobs a year, just to 12 jobs. And the reason for that is that I just want to do the jobs that I'm excited that I really want to do, you know, and I'm kind of like, I'm not overbooking myself. I'm getting all these work that I'm not excited. And don't get me wrong, because some people think that doing smaller jobs, you're not making, you make good money doing smaller jobs. Don't get me wrong. You're in and out, you get your money and all that. It's just that it gets to the point when you are so many years in business that you're not excited anymore, you know, about those jobs. So, um, so yes, about 60% of my work, it's through that designer. The another 40% is basically repeating clients and uh, referrals. So when I get a phone call um, for some type of work, if I want to take it, if I'm interested, I go see the clients. If not, I just told them, you know, we already booked for the season or, 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 or I'm like, you know, I have a friend, he can do the job for you or something, you know, something yeah. like that. Definitely. And uh, when a lead does contact you through your actual business, uh, where do you take that from there? What questions are you sort of asking them 
to see, because like you said, you're, you're picking and choosing jobs at this point. So how do you kind of vet that client to ensure that maybe this is a client for you and you're ready to schedule a consultation with them? Yeah, I mean, most of my um, uh, estimates are that my leads, they come through my website. My phone doesn't ring that much. Well, it does from these scammers and, and all that, but potential clients, they basically, they go on my website they request an estimate and all that. So when they do that, I get all these questions for them to ask, how do they hear about me? If they're ready to move forward or they're just, you know, getting estimates and things like that. So when I see that, I'm already know what they're looking for. And then I call them and I ask them more questions like, have you got another estimate? Um, you know, um, when are you planning to do the work? And I just, you know, questions like that. And and then I go see them because most of the times if I'm I'm gonna go see these clients, most likely I'm getting the job because like I said they're either repeating customers or referrals. So you already almost have the job, you know. So I don't have to ask all these questions. But when I go see them, I start with uh, budgeting, like you know, like what's your budget? You know, they're like, oh, we have you know twenty thousand dollars for this project and all that. Based on that, I show them projects that we have done in the past for about that price, you know, it's like, you know, for something like that, we can do something like this and things like that. I do have a lot of pictures on my phone. I used to carry a, a, a tablet, but I have a note 10, so it's pretty good size. And I have all these folders of jobs. So it's easy for me to show them. And then once they say like, you know, yeah, we're looking for something like that. Um, I go and do a 3D design. Most of the work we do, I, I do a 3D design so they can see how things are gonna, be you know before we even start the job so that's how basically how i do it so i told the client it's going to be about 500 dollars for the 3d design if you do the job then we give you credit for that you know and things like that amazing so with that initial consultation do you charge for it yes or no or why or why not no i don't charge i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about don't charge like 250 per per estimate or, or things like that. But since I don't do, like I said, we only did 12 jobs. So from those 12 jobs, I got maybe uh, seven jobs from, from this designer that I do work for. So I'm not really doing, driving around all the time getting all these estimates. So it's like, I just talk to them over the phone. If I'm interested, I go see them. And like I said, most of the times, or I'm getting the job because it's a referral or it's a repaying customer, so. Yeah, I love asking people that question because everybody has their own reasoning behind that. I still don't charge it personally in my business either for the same kind of reasons as well. Uh, with going from doing so many jobs per season to doing just 12 jobs per season, that must free up so much time in planning, in logistics, in, in, in all of that, right? Like, can you talk about how much that has kind of improved your business, if any? I think the biggest part for me since I has since I have been doing this for a long time and I worked seven days a week before and I do have a family. I got my kids, I got my wife. I think the main key for me that only doing uh, less work or only 12 or a few jobs a year that gives me the freedom to spend more time with my family. Like I get, I get to take my kids to school, which I didn't have the time for that before. I get to go pick up my kids from school. Not every day, sometimes, you know, and I will get home around five, six o'clock, which I get to spend a little bit more time with the family because it gets to the point in life that it's nice, you know, you're making money, you're growing your business and all that, but 
your family is the most important thing. That's how I see it now. You know, I'm 38 right now and, and things are changing. I don't know why, but the way I see life is different from what I saw my, the life before the way I see it before, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with equipment wise, you know, it's easier because I can just go. We have a lot of equipment. I don't have a lot of guys. Basically, we are five guys, including myself. I'm six. Basically, I have a CDO driver and I got two main crews. So basically, I got five guys and myself. So we are six guys. That's all I have. So we do have a couple excavators. We got skid loaders. We got buggies. We got all the equipment. Equipment for us is not an issue. So I took all this equipment to these jobs and my guys go to these jobs and, and it's just kind of nice because uh, I don't have to be moving equipment like almost every day. When I was doing like 80, 90 jobs a, uh, a year, um, I had to move all this equipment almost every day to all these jobs. And like I say, it was good. I mean, we're making, we're making money. It's not, that's not the issue, but by having these bigger jobs, I can leave this equipment for weeks on that job and we don't have to move around all that equipment, you know, Definitely. takes a lot of time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, with that being said, what what's your kind of role in the business right now in a, in a day to day aspect? Are you uh, with two crews out there? Are you on site with one crew one day and kind of flip flopping where you see fit, or like what's your role in the business as the business owner? I probably I go and check my the two jobs. If we got two jobs going on at the same time. Like so, I'll, maybe a crew already have work enough for the whole day. So I go in the morning and check another crew and kind of like tell them what I need to get done for the date. And then um, I also like to get my hands dirty. I don't know, man. Like a lot of people, are like you have to pull yourself away from the jobs. You got to let the guys, you know, your guys let do the work up. It's like I don't know. I just enjoy what I do, and I still jump on the excavators. I still put pavers down, and I just love it, you know. So I work basically for a little bit on a job, and I move to the another job, and back and forth, pretty much i try to schedule my jobs that they're close to each other so they're not too far away sometimes it doesn't work that way but i try to do that but it is uh you know basically i sell i sell jobs um get permits like i say there's not ma many permits here in chicago we have to get permits for everything and, which is good it's nothing wrong with that so and you know so it's a lot of paperwork that needs to be done for that and and all that so basically i'm just basically checking jobs I get my hands dirty here and there and get permits still to clients and get more, more work, I guess. Uh, so a client wants to proceed with you and to start that project. What is a, what's a typical payment schedule like for that client in terms of uh, a down payment or deposit, uh, like a, a scheduled amount during that project. And then like the finalized amount of that project, is it, do you have a typical amount in your business or does it change from project to project? It changed a little bit here and there, but most likely it's 30% uh, deposit for us to uh, schedule uh, the job. If it's like a small job, like a $20,000 job, we ask for 50%. So they give us 50%. And then when we're completely done, you know, we get another 50. Like those for those bigger jobs, like those six digit jobs, we get still 30%. When we start the job, we get another 30%. And then before we even finish the job, we get a little bit more like, you know, another 30. And then when the job is completely done with all the, we have to get final inspections for these jobs. Once our final inspections are approved and all that, we get the another 10%. Or if it's a huge job, then we just break it in like four or five different payments, you know, it all depends. But uh, most of the work that we have been doing the last two, three years, every time we touch a job is, is more than 60 grand, 60, 70, 80. That's our average right now. Amazing. And uh, 
I like to ask this question right after the, that question, because a lot of the times the answer has to do with payments or dealing with clients. And that's a horror story in your business. You've been in the industry for 20 plus years. I just want to ask you if you have a horror story you'd want to share with our audience, whether that was before you were in business, just working in hardscapes, or whether it's right now in business, a horror story just helps our audience to, for those that are wanting to get into the industry, start their own business, to understand what could go wrong, to implement things that can help them. Uh, but do you have a horror story you'd want to share? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I did a lot of work for this builder. So he basically went out of business and... I got screwed with like twenty some thousand dollars that I didn't get paid. Um, that was like four, maybe five, six years ago. And don't ever trust people, you know. Not I, the way I see it. Don't do verbal agreements. Whatever you guys do, like change orders or make sure you got everything ready down. Make sure you got some good contracts because there's gonna be a client that they're gonna screw you. You know, you always gonna find that client. So just be, make sure you get everything, nice contracts, change orders, don't do verbally. Cause um, also too, I did a verbal agreement with a client and basically I got screwed with some money in there. I used to do a snow removal too. So I did work for these management companies and I got screwed with big money. So believe it or not, like in two years, I got screwed with like $80,000, which is a lot of money. Like for us, like a business owners to make $80,000 net profit, you got to do like $300,000 in work. So, and not having that 80 grand or 90, whatever it was, it's just like, I struggle, man, financially for like two, three years after that. Cause it's hard. It's a big hit to, you know, to get screwed that kind of weight. So for those guys that are starting on the business and sometimes we're so busy uh, doing the jobs or we get so busy, make sure you get the time to make sure you got everything in writing. Make sure you guys have uh, contracts. If you, you guys don't have any nice contracts, just go and hire a lawyer. They can do something for you. You know, they can pay, you know, four or 500 bucks and it's going to save you more money because uh, you're always going to find that client that is, they're all, always going to, they're going to trade, they're going to trade to screw you, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent advice. Everything in writing. Uh, absolutely. Moving on here in this interview, uh, any installation techniques that you live by for yourself in your business or even equipment tools that you just could not go out, go without in your business. This is just an open, whatever you want to talk about, whether it's installation tools, equipment, or all of the above. I think that's a really good question because I can, I wish I can go back in time and I have those tools when I start my business. But back in the day, was finding guys was easy. There was so many people out there looking for work. You would go on the gas station uh, to fill the trucks and it was like two, three guys are, ah, you have work, you have work. But now these days it's hard to find people. So um, I do love and I do have, um, I have a couple excavators, but my favorite excavator is the E20. It's a small excavator from Bobcat. And I do have some buggies. So those, uh, basically, that's my secret weapon right there. The E20, the excavator, and the two buggies are the buggies that we have because we can do so much work with those uh, pieces of equipment. Like for like a normal, just to give you a, an idea, for like a 500 square feet patio, which is an average size patio for an average house, uh, we can excavate it and have base down and then probably four hours with the excavator and, the, and two buggies and wow. only four guys. Incredible. Like, yeah. So I have basically a guy with, um, 
each baggie with a guide, and then I have a skisher on the street. So in myself or somebody else on the excavator, on the excavator, so we excavate, put everything on the baggies, go dump it on the skisher. The skisher dumps that excavation into a dump truck. So, like, it is crazy how much, uh, you know, how much work you can do with this piece of equipment, and you don't need a lot of guys. And these pieces of equipment, they don't get tired, they don't complain. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, I so my question with that is. If you're just starting out and you have enough budget for, say, a mini skid steer or a, an, a mini excavator and a buggy, which would you choose? Excavator. All day long. Excavator and buggy? Yeah. Yeah. Excavator, basically. Um, I, even I told the guys, I have a private group, like I say, a Facebook private group. I even told these guys around this group, if you guys don't have the equipment, go rent it. You don't have to want it. You know, you maybe do... When you first start doing hardscapes, maybe you do three hardscape jobs per season and things like that. It's not worth for you to own these pieces of equipment. Like equipment right now is so expensive. Like, and you, it's not even available anyways. You have to wait months or a year to get equipment right now. But just go rent it. It's always cheaper. Just put it into your beat. Don't kill yourself. Because on, I do have a friend here. I'm not gonna mention his name. Um, he's still old school. He's old school and. And, you know, I, I, not just I want to talk to him about that. He still excavates like wheelbarrows and shovels, jobs like, like, come on. I told him, like, just go run a, even a, a dingo or something, you know, like a mini skis here. It's like, no, 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 it's too much. $300 for rentals. Like, come on, but it's costing you more for the excavation. Think about it. You got four guys excavating and putting base down for two days. Put, do the math. It's costing you more money. Just go rent it, you know. Just go rent equipment. So, but yeah, the one thing that I like about the E20, the uh, answering your question, you can do a lot of things. It's not just for excavating patios. We use it for pulling bushes, removing timbers. We do drainage work. We do also have these tools from uh, Pay Tools that it's a backing system. It's a plate. We get connected to a compressor, and then we can pick these big slabs. And it's just like so much you can do with the mini excavator. We used to have two mini skisters in the past. And when I first bought my first excavator, which it was the E20, they were sitting, the mini skisters were sitting on the shaft for two years doing nothing because we love the excavator so much. And it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to sell them. There's no reason for me just to have these two pieces of equipment just sitting on the shop because we don't use them anymore. But yeah, that's why I love excavators. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, Cruz, as we come down to the close on this interview, uh, two more questions here. One, do you, do you have anybody you want to give a shout out here, whether that's online, offline, people that you look to for inspiration, people who have helped you along the way, anybody that you want to have, uh, take this moment to just give a shout out on this podcast. You know, there is, um, I don't remember his uh, last name, uh, but he's out of Michigan and I look up to this guy because I'm not. Not because he has a big company. He has probably about 100 employees. He's pretty big. I'm going to mention his name here shortly. Um, but because, like, I'm not after the money anymore. Of course, we'll still got to make money because we got to pay bills. It costs money to be in business, right? But he 
he's basically have a big business, but he's not. The business is not running him. Um, the business is basically basically running by itself. And he got the time. Every time I see a post from him, he's um, he's uh, doing something with the wife, with the kids. He goes on the weekends, uh, like a quick little getaway and things like that. That's what I want in my life. I want to have the freedom that I can spend time with my family. Um, my goal in life is not to have 20 trucks, 100 employees. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but that's not my goal. You know, my goal is to basically have the freedom and the financial freedom to spend more time with the family and things like that. So I don't remember his last name, but he's out of Michigan. I think it's Atlas Outdoor and his name is San. Uh, hopefully he watched this video. I don't know if you know him. He's a pretty good sized company. Yeah, um, I actually don't. Atlas? Atlas? Yes, Atlas Bob, Atlas uh, Outdoor Living or something like that. He's I'll out have of to Michigan. Check him out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. Um yeah, my final question to you, Cruz. What's one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the very beginning? Whether that's something you know now that you wish you knew from just getting into hardscapes from that very uh, initial moment and working for somebody else, or whether that's when you first started your business. But what's one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the very beginning? I think pre-qualifying clients. So I'm not wasting my time because I used to do 34 estimates after work, just driving around. Um, spending all this money and fuel, uh, chasing all this work that I wasn't getting, you know? So I think um, you have to pre-qualify your clients. You have to ask a lot of questions uh, so you're not wasting your time because there's a lot of clients that they have no idea how much things cost. And um, I, I'm guilty because, you know, like, I know some guys, they're just starting their business. They want to go see all these clients and try to get all this work. But it's it's nothing wrong with just asking questions, you know, make sure, you know, these clients have the money or um, they're, they're ready to move forward on these jobs. Because some people, like I said, some clients, they have no idea how much things they cost and they're just wasting your time. So, yeah, so that's the main key, you know, right now, like I said, I pre-qualified my clients by asking a lot of questions and all that. So I'm not really wasting all my time driving around doing estimates that or, or quotes that I'm not going to get the work, you know? Excellent, excellent advice here and throughout this episode. Cruz, thank you so much for your time and joining us here today. Yeah, no, thank you for inviting me. Uh, once again, we've talked about it at the, at the midway point of this interview, but where can our audience one more time go find out more about you, what you've got going on over there? So basically, they can go find my website, which is crashloan.com or crashloan.com. On social media, they can just search um, everywhere. Cruz, thanks so much. Yeah, no problems. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Go check out Cruz on his socials wherever you can find him and thank him for joining us on today's episode. And once again, if you're in need of bookkeeping, accounting, CFO services, check out CycleCPA at CycleCPA.com. Mention the How to Hardscape podcast. Get your $200 off there. And once again, we'd love it if you subscribe to our podcast. Left us a rating and review wherever you can on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And we look forward to meeting with you next week on the How to Hardscape podcast.